Welcome to Off the Beaten Path, but not lost. With Tony, Kristen, Kylie, and Lexi. Join us on this RV full-time living journey. Across the beautiful United States. Where the fellas? Welcome back to episode 13. Have you followed us yet on Facebook and Instagram at The Faolas? If not, you should. <laughs> and if you hear anything on this podcast you want to look more into, check out the show notes at thefaolas.com slash 13. And you might have noticed that we sound a little sick. The girls are also sick, so they get uh, a pass on this podcast. And you get to deal with Tony and I. Yeah, just probably a little cold or something, but it started with Kylie. She picked up someone's nasty germs. Yeah. Then got Lexi. Yeah. And then both of us got at the same time, pretty much. So we're doing fine. No worries. So today we're going to talk about Glacier. No, we're not. No, we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Today we're going to talk about what happened after Glacier. (laughs) After Glacier, we drove south to Yellowstone, or towards Yellowstone. We had a few stops in between. We took a few days to make our way from Glacier National Park area um, down to the West Yellowstone area. And we stopped at a Harvest Host on the way for a night. That was really cool. Called Sheep Mountain Creamery. And we got some... We did a tour. Sheep milk. Yeah, we got some sheep's milk or sheep milk. I don't know what it is. (laughs) Very healthy milk. Yep. Froze it. And we're going to turn it into ice cream. (laughs) Yeah, we've started a whole new thing now. We're going to buy a $300 ice cream machine that takes up a ton of space and start making ice cream. So thanks a lot, Cheap Mountain Creamery. (laughs) Yeah. I was just going to have it with my cereal, but. (laughs) It was a cool place, though. Uh, We'll talk about it in a podcast or a review on on the blog. Uh, But it was a really cool place, the. They gave us a tour of the place, and we bought some milk, and they had some really good cheese. Yeah, we did a cheese tasting. That was nice. The girls got to play with sheep. Not really play with, but see a lot of sheep and interact with them. And then after there, we drove to a state campground. Is that a state campground? No, it's private. Um, I think it used to be maybe state ran or something like that, but it's called the Silos, and it's right on... Canyon Ferry Lake. It's south of Helena. And we went there specifically to go to the Capitol. Yeah. Because we had a plan to be in Helena, but that did not work out that night. So we ended up driving about an extra half hour down to this silos campground. And it was cheap. I think it was like 12 bucks a night or something, but it's no hookups. Um, but it's right on a big lake. Uh, we got to see some interesting things while we were there. Did the Helena State Capitol building. Check that out for a day. And the fire. Yeah, on the east side of the lake, there's some mountains. And uh, just on the back side of the mountains, there's a huge wildfire going. Yeah, when we pulled into the place, it was funny. I, I called you. It was, was dark. Like, it was dark. And I was like, is that a fire on that mountain? It looks red. And it's glowing, yeah. I think you're like, no, I think it's like a light on a, yeah, <laughs> I did. Like a tower for airplanes or something. Yeah, it was so dark that I didn't know what it was. You couldn't tell. 
but it was just something glowing red over there. I was and like, yeah, I think it's like going up the mountain. I'm pretty sure that's not. Like- yeah, the next day we could see the smoke plumes coming off of it, and I think we were there for two nights. You could see, you could tell when the wind picked up. You know, shortly thereafter, the the smoke plumes would get way bigger. And then at night, you could just see the glow. And right as of right now, it's like up to like 55,000 acres. I checked earlier. How much of it is? And it's like 50% contained. 50%. But it's been burning for like a month. The state capitol was pretty. One of the things we're doing as we travel across the country is try to make it to the capitol buildings and compare them to each other and visit them. Yeah. There's a lot of similarities to all the capitals that we've been to, but there's a lot of differences too. You some know, people, they, some states put a lot more effort into yeah. the thought process <laughs> of what they were putting into it. And some of them just needed a building yeah, to get business done. Well, for example, like this one, Helena, they didn't have a dome up until like 20 years ago. I didn't know they, that. Yeah, I read on the thing. <laughs> when they first built the Capitol building, they didn't have enough money for the... Um, for the dome. I think it was during World War One or something. They were building that. Uh-huh. So it wasn't until like, I don't know, right around 2000 or something. In the early 2000s that they actually decided to add a dome to the Capitol building. So Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah. Very cool. What did you learn there? <laughs> but no, that was a, it was a cool, cool building. Anyways. And the Silos campground is about 30 minutes from there. And it's a yeah. nice campground. Uh, there's no hookup, so you would need, you know, boondocking materials. Yeah. <laughs> there's a KOA right outside that we used for water and uh, cleaning our tanks. Last thing you want to do in Helena is stock up on groceries. Yeah, buy extra. Once you get to West Yellowstone and all those areas, there's there's grocery stores, but it's not like going to Walmart. You pay tourist town Grocery prices. And West Yellowstone is actually a really cute little town. It was like a very touristy, lots of gift shops and souvenirs, uh, walkable city. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, I, I, I mean, we walked probably, what, four or five blocks up one way and then crossed the road and came back the other way. Looking for some sweatshirts and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, the options for Yellowstone swag is like unlimited. And there's a good barbecue place there. Yeah. We had some good hamburgers. We had good barbecue. I think I'm actually kind of craving only... that barbecue. <laughs> That's the only time. Oh, we had pizza there too. We had good ice cream. I had some, what I have? Huckleberry ice cream? Yeah, the girls had strawberry. I didn't like it that much. It was too melty for me. That's what happens. It was like an outdoor ice cream shop. I mean, it was indoor, but it was outdoor. Like they had a huge window and the ice cream was on the outside. Of the building, kind of. Mm-hmm. And I think it just melts fast. I'm not a big fan of soft ice cream. I like harder ice cream. Where should you camp near Yellowstone, West Yellowstone? Well, there's several um, campgrounds that you could choose from. There's some outside of West Yellowstone. Right in West Yellowstone, there's a, at least two or three, I think. Um, and then once you get further outside, if you're going to go to West Yellowstone to stay for a little while... Um, there's a few options in the town of West Yellowstone, like RV parks. Uh, once you get a little outside of town, a little west, I guess, um, there's a couple KOAs right on the main road, which is US 20, I think. Um, and then once you get a little further out from that, where we stayed, we stayed in the National Forest. 
the first spot we stayed was in the near the uh, Targi Creek Trailhead. It's just a, uh, like a Forest Service road that you drive up. It's a little rough, like we did it with our RV, so it's not that bad. But we found a really good open spot that we stayed there for, I want to say, five days. That wasn't a rough road. It the road in? Yeah, it wasn't too bad. The one that went around the side of the hill? Oh. Remember when we first pulled in, there was a giant puddle. I didn't know how deep it was. I just went for it. Oh, I was... Oh, we went... Did we go to two different spots? Yeah. In West Yellowstone? Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah. I forgot about that spot, actually. Technically, it wasn't in Montana. It was right outside of Montana in Idaho. Mm-hmm. That spot that you're talking yeah. about, right? now. Okay. Yeah. That road is rough, but it is a very good spot. And we'll we'll have that tagged, uh, linked in the show notes. Yep. But we had good, you know, good Verizon, good AT&T, and it was in the woods. Mm-hmm. That was a really cool spot. And then when we... And it was 20 minutes from the west gate of yes. Yellowstone. Yeah. So, like, as you're explaining, like, if you go a little farther out, a little farther out, I mean, you're still only 20 minutes from Yellowstone, yeah. which is really nice. Yeah. And the closer you get to the Yellowstone National Park the more you pay for your RV parks. There's one right outside the gate, and I think we looked it up. It was close to 100 bucks a night. Yes. And the second place we stayed in West Yellowstone was, so what happened was we left to get our tanks dumped and water fill up, and then we just went to a different spot. Yeah, instead of going back down that little bit of a rough road there. Yeah, I forgot about that one. (laughs) We found another spot. It was only about 10 minutes further and it was also in the National Forest, which um, it's by Henry's Lake. If you look on a map, it's like northeast Idaho, right by West Yellowstone, Montana. And um, there's BLM over there, too, but we didn't go that far. There's, there's actually, another spot where you can stay with cows. Yeah, right on. Oh, yeah, that's state land, Idaho state land. So there's actually state land, National Forest, and BLM land right in, like, the same area. But the BLM land's right on the lake, but there's limited spots. There's not that much room there. But we didn't go down that far. The spot we had was actually really nice. I like yeah. that spot. It wasn't hard getting in and out of it. And we saw moose, our only moose yeah. right there. Yeah, like a young bull moose. Still in velvet, just hanging out in the woods. Got a bunch of pictures of that guy. <laughs> Yellowstone has denied us so far moose, but uh, but we did get to see one at that campground. Yep. And then there's also campgrounds inside the park as well. Yeah, yep. And there's good one. Luck. Those I've been looking, and those things have been booked solid. <laughs> there is one right in West Yellowstone called Madison Campground, right? Yep. Well, it's not West Yellowstone. It's in Yellowstone. Well, the west side of It's about 20 minutes yeah. from the west gate, yes, Madison Campground. And then while we were there, while we were boondocking out there, we went to Quake Lake, which is like a nat- national historic site kind of deal. Yeah, 1959, there was a major earthquake in the area, like Idaho, Montana area. I think like 60 people or something died. Yeah, yeah, several dozen people. Um, they were camping right on the Madison River, and there was a, a landslide off of a mountain, and it buried everybody. Alive. Yeah, <sighs> and it blocked the river, which then created a lake. And which that's called they, Earthquake Lake. Yeah, or Earthquake Lake. lake. And they have a big visitor center there, and you can, um, with a lot of informational signs, and you can read all about it. Yeah, a couple overlooks. But it's crazy. You can still see right off the side of the mountain the the huge chunk of, you know, all that land that was displaced. And then we drove along the lake, and you could see the trees still out there, like where the trees, where the ground was. 
Yeah, which is part of the valley, lake. which is yeah. now a lake. Yeah. It was crazy to see that. The whole area is gorgeous. That whole drive was cool. And basically we went from kind of where we were staying with the RV was like Island Park, Idaho area. And then you drive up and around. It's kind of a big loop. You end up back in West Yellowstone. And then we went back home. But it was very interesting to see that. But the best part about staying there is Yellowstone. <laughs> yeah, I have to say I was pretty pumped to go to Yellowstone. And once we started going in and checking stuff out, my expectations were like blown away. It was so cool. Like we, um, this has been my dream I'm the top of my bucket list since we started full-timing. And I've been impressed, for yeah. sure. There's a lot of really neat stuff. Um, so the first two weeks, was it for two weeks we spent on the west side of Yellowstone? It was like a week and a half. Yeah, about a week and a half. We spent on the west side of Yellowstone. So we went about as north as Norris Geyser area. Yeah, Norris Geyser Basin. Yep. Which is a lot to do right in that specific spot. And then we did drive down to uh, Old Faithful, but we didn't do it. It was like in the middle of the night. <laughs> well, we by there. the time we got to Old Faithful, it was dark and there wasn't supposed to be an eruption until it was after dark, which kind of pointless at that point. So we decided to wait until we went to a different spot. Because we plan to stay at Yellowstone multiple weeks. We're yeah. going to different sections of the park. Oh, yeah, we checked out Norris Geyser Basin, which has numerous, like, hot springs and geysers. Did they have mud pots at the Norris Geyser Basin when we walked around there? That one had the Vixen Geyser. It did that have, was just, like, a little toilet. I think it did have, <laughs> well, I think it had um, mud pots, but they were not as thick yeah. as the first ones we saw. That was a really cool place, though. I mean... There's two different areas that you can walk. There's like the lower half. Actually, there's like kind of three different yeah. routes you take. Um, there's the one that goes down to, what's the main? Steamboat um, Geyser. Yeah. Well, no, the other side. The one that I didn't do that you and Kylie did um, the first day. I don't know if they'd call that the upper. Yeah, it's like basin, the upper basin upper area. Basin. But there's a lot of... Um, a lot of hot springs and fumaroles where it's just like steam blowing out of the ground. And then the other section, the lower basin has like a smaller, I don't know, one mile or is that a mile you think? Yeah, it's almost like there's two loops in one. And so then the can, other one is probably two miles long. Yeah. Something like that. But there is a lot of different geysers. The Steamboat Geyser and the Vixen Geyser we saw. And I actually like the Vixen one better than the Steamboat. Well, Steamboat. <laughs> When it erupts, has a major eruption, it's like 300 feet in the air. It's gigantic. But it's completely unpredictable. And the last um, the last eruption... Was a month ago. When we were there, um, <clears throat> was a, pr a month prior, like Ju July 8th. And we were there like mid-August, early August. So it, it hadn't even began to like do a major eruption it was still spewing stuff water out probably six yeah. to ten feet in the air but the major eruptions are the ones that you want to see but the you vixen have no one, idea yeah but the vixen one is like angry it was yeah. like shooting out like shooting it out fast <laughs> yeah the best way to describe the vixen geyser is it's a toilet bowl in the ground because it literally empties 
and I think it's empty for like one or two minutes, depending. And then once it builds up enough pressure, that thing blows out. That's probably going like 12 to 15 feet in the air. And it's like super fast. Yeah. Like a lot of pressure. And then when it's done, it the toilet flushes and <laughs> starts all over again. <laughs> but that, that one was really cool. Mm-hmm. And you can like feel the water because you're actually pretty close to that one too. Yeah. So as the water's coming out, you kind of get sprayed by it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little breezy that day. We were all getting sprayed. In that area, we also did the artist paint uh, artist paint pots. Yep. That's really cool, too. So we actually walked around the bottom first, and there was some different... There was like a mud pot, but it's kind of a soupy mud pot. Yeah, it's not like super thick mud. It's just kind of like... Soupy. Soupy. <laughs> and then there were uh, some other, like springs and stuff and, and the water ran through there there was like a little stream of hot water which is kind of cool to see yeah and then and it, there's different colors because of the heated water and stuff so you get a lot of oranges and some yellows and blues and then you walk up on top and you can first of all you can see down below which is i think the coolest part yeah uh it was really pretty and then on up there there's also some I guess you. those are the paint pots. Yeah, after the initial trail that you walk up to where the the whole area is, there's a sign and it says basically, you know, the artist paint pots are 500 yards in each direction because that's basically like a big loop. So you can go right or left. And I think we kind of did both. We went right for a ways and then we turned around and came back and then we went left and then we did the whole loop. We went over to the overlook and you can see all the like thermal features. Is that where we saw the snake? Yes. We saw a little snake up there. Yeah, a little baby garter snake. Terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was just hanging out in the mud pots. Yeah, there was mud mud pots there, Uh, up there. I forgot about those. On the top, there are some mud pots. Yep. Thicker ones. And they're just bubbling up. Those I think are really cool. Yeah, those are probably my favorite. I like that Lexi does, Lexi likes those too. I like the springs the best, the hot springs. Because they're just super colorful and pretty. It's crazy how, Steam like, with the hot springs, off. most of them are just super blue mm-hmm. and crystal clear water. You can see if, you know, depending on what angle you look at it from, most of them are really deep, too. They just look like you could just sit in there yeah. and <laughs> relax. I wonder how many people did that before it was a national park. I don't know. Then we did that um, Firehole Canyon Drive, mm-hmm. and that had the falls on it. And was there a lake or something? Just a river, the Firehole oh, River, yeah. yeah. And then there's some big, uh, big waterfall. Is that where we did the um, the lo- the first geyser basin that we walked around? I think so. Or is it near there? So we did one that's in the southern, like if I you. I think it's on the way to the Midway Geyser Basin. That's what you're thinking of. That's where we did Grand Prismatic and all that stuff. Yes. So it's before that, though. Yep. Uh, and you walk around. And actually, every thermal feature is there. So they have the mud pots, they have the springs, the fumaroles, s- yeah, and and geysers. I was like, I'm missing one <laughs> geysers. Uh, so so if, ha- if you don't know what they are, the fumaroles is just a hole in the ground that um, the hole is too big to actually build pressure to spray water out of. So basically, it just boils and steam shoots out. Some of them. Um, when the steam comes out, it's really loud. Like some people describe it like a jet engine. 
And other times it just, the steam is just kind of like rising out of the hole. So when you're walking around on the boardwalks, you can hear them. Yeah, definitely. Even when they're like really tiny and little yep. off to the side, you can hear this like sound. Yeah. <laughs> Snake it's crazy. Sound. There's just, it's just everywhere in that area. It's just like, you'll drive down the road and there's just steam coming out of the woods. Yeah. You can normally smell it yeah. sometimes before seeing it. <laughs> Yeah, that's one thing about this, the western side of Yellowstone is that there's definitely a smell to it. <laughs> I really like the lower geyser too because, or the lower geyser basin, I guess is what it's called. I like that because it's a short walk. It's a boardwalk. So you can walk around the boardwalk and you can see all the different features. Mm -hmm. And it's short so that you can remember, like I liked explaining them to the girls. And I was like, okay, this is this and this is different than this other one because of this. And it's a short walk, so it's easy to see all of them right there in that one area. Yeah. The Midway Geyser Basin. Mm -hmm. We did that. That was really cool. Yeah, that's where you find... Prismatic. The big one. That's the world's largest hot spring. Did you know that? Yeah, I did. It's very pretty. Yeah, it's got all the colors. We were there at sunset, and I think that made it even cooler. Mm -hmm. We have not... So we're still at Yellowstone. <laughs> as, as of hearing this podcast, we're still here. And we have not went to the, um, like, the overlook yet of that prismatic spring. Prismatic Grand spring. prismatic, yep. yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're still going to do that when we go towards, like, our southern camp spot. Yeah, because, I mean, we already knew what it looked like from above. But when you do it on the boardwalk, you can't really get the gist of it. Like, you mm -hmm. can see some colors, but when you look over top of it, it looks like that giant eye basically you know it's blue and yellow and green and orange we weren't able to do it that day because it was already yeah it was, just, it was too late which i actually thought was kind of cool because the sun was setting and and it made the the area like we were walking across the boardwalk with the spring on both sides of us of yep. the boardwalk and it just turned into glass it was so yeah. pretty and there's really no colors. wind and it was kind of cool like it was the um temperature was starting to cool down too so we were starting to get a lot more steam. Like when we first got there, it wasn't really that steamy. But by the time we left, everything was like thick white steam coming off of all the water. Mm -hmm. Really cool. And that first geyser that you walk through when you first get in there, it was so like we couldn't even see the boardwalk anymore. Cause this yeah, so that was, um, that's the it. Excelsior geyser, which is now a crater because it had a major explosion. So it turned from a geyser to a big hole in the ground. That just releases yeah. steam. <laughs> yeah. But we got to watch the sunset there, and it was really pretty sunset. And then the prismatic spring yeah. underneath was pretty, too. What's so, cool about it is because reflection. as you're walking around, you get all these little pools of hot water, and they're like, they call them terraces, where there's a little bit different levels because of all the minerals that kind of build up a wall, and then it runs down to the next one. So there, we got pictures of, like, yeah, the sunlight was bouncing off of all these terraces, like, smooth as glass. It was really cool. Also, we got to see some bison tracks in there, which I thought yeah. was interesting that they just walk through there. Yeah. And yes, I did ask a ranger if <laughs> the wildlife drink the water and they do not. <laughs> yeah, they said they know better. That's a pretty uh, obvious question, but I had to ask just because I feel like they're always drinking or eating. And so if they're walking through there, like, how are they not doing it? But apparently they don't. They yeah, do those. use they do use those springs though, and 
the geyser areas to warm themselves in the winter. Yeah, because it gets super cold there. And we also saw Mark. Mark put his name in the mineral bed or whatever, in the mat. What's it called? (laughs) I think it's... Bacteria mat or something like that. Yeah, I think it's called a mat or something, but... People are so weird. Who does that? So, Mark, if you're listening, we saw your name there. And you're an idiot. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) So when we go to the southern portion of Yellowstone and stay, we'll be doing um, the Tetons and we'll be doing Old Faithful and we'll have to go back there and see the... Yeah, do the overlook for Grand Prismatic Spring. Not to mention some of the the days that we were there, there was a lot of smoke. So you didn't have the blue skies to give you a lot of the color. Mm-hmm. That you look for, that you expect. Is that all we did in Yellowstone on the west side? We did. I mean, there's a few overlooks that we've done. Oh yeah, a few there's little I mean, there's hikes and drives. Gibbon Falls, Gibbon River. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of that stuff, which most of that stuff is just pull-offs, you know, with short walks and stuff like that. But I mean, it's a couple of things we did two or three times, stopped and looked. Yeah. So we but, did yeah, there's, Norris there's a couple times. Endless pull-offs along and the the terrain changes so much that's one thing that really got me like i was expecting yellowstone to be just this huge i don't know huge grass just grassland with hot water and geysers and animals and so we've had we stayed after after the west side we stayed in the north yep um and we'll dive into this on another podcast but that was completely different than where we're at now, even. I mean, everything has been a little, each little quarter, if you divide Yellowstone into, like, quarters, they're all so different. It's crazy. Yeah, it, it's a major difference. I don't know how the southern section is yet. We'll f- we'll find out soon. I know there's but. a lake there, but that's about <laughs> all I know. <laughs> Which is a major difference, really. Yeah. Well, the, the features in this park are really cool, and the landscapes, I'm kind of disappointed in the animals. <laughs> So far, at least. I think a lot of people go into it feeling like it's just going to be, you know, animals everywhere. I didn't really have that mindset, so I'm not as disappointed as you. Although. I thought for sure we'd be seeing a moose and a wolf. <laughs> like, I thought yeah, for sure we'd be seeing for me, wolves I think, everywhere. <laughs> no, I think wolves for me were probably on the bottom of the li- my expectation know, list. Because those are the hardest to see. You have to have them. Like super early or just before dark, really. Did, from what I've, everybody's been saying, so I really didn't expect to see a wolf, although I really want to. But a moose, I figured there would be a moose somewhere in this place. <laughs> and just this West Yellowstone area, or just west of the west part here that we've been in, that we're talking about here, we saw elk. Yeah, tons of pr- elk and pronghorn, yep. and we saw the elk and deer um, near the Madison River, like that first. What is that, Madison? What is that road when you're first driving know, West in? West Entrance Road. I'm not sure what it is, but it's basically from the West Gate all the way into Madison Junction or the Madison Campground. It Almost the whole way goes right alongside the Madison River. So And there's a part where it crosses the river. Yeah. And right there is a ton of elk. Yeah, every time we went in, there was always elk there. Yeah, and there's um, like a, be- a big meadow area. Yeah. that there was a ton of elk in. I mean, if I was a moose, that's where I'd be. Oh, we saw bison there a couple of times. We saw a bison sleeping next to the road, and there was like a three-mile backup because of it. Yeah, I guess not everyone's been to South Dakota. But, <laughs> <laughs> but come on, people. It's a bison. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. We'd be in a traffic jam, and I'm like, if this is a bison, I'm seriously going to throw the biggest fit. 
and every time we see bison, we're like, you know, every time there's a traffic jam for a bison or a herd, we're just like, come on. But you got to realize, you know, people come from all over the world to Yellowstone and they've never seen bison before. And even when we're stuck in a traffic jam, when they're walking by, they walk super close yeah. and they're like grunting and like their tongues are like a foot long. They're always licking their nose. <laughs> super gross. But it's it's really cool. It is cool, but I wouldn't be stopping in the middle of the road for a bison. <laughs> yeah. They're pretty irresistible to like take pictures of and record as well. Like, we I, have I don't a know lot many, of pictures. Yeah, I have so many pictures of bison <laughs> I've never even looked at because... You know, they're bison. Yeah. <laughs> they were cool. But though. in the moment, we have to take pictures of them. And that area, again, yeah, we saw the elk, the bison we did see there. We saw some deer and pronghorn. Yep. Uh, I think that's about it at that area. Yeah. And I don't know if that's just what's known for that area. I don't know if, how many bear sightings are around there but or moose. But I know there are certain sections of the park where you're more likely to see the certain different animals, like Lamar Valley's for wolves. We did see a bear in that area. Yeah, black bear. There were no wolves, and there's no moose. There is zero moose in this park. <laughs> <laughs> we talked to a ranger who said there's 200 in the whole park. So, and they don't have the best habitat for them, I yeah. guess, in Yellowstone. So I think we're going to have to hope that we see them in the Tetons. And they're solitary animals, so it's not like you're going to see a herd of them. You have to really be looking for the one. Mm-hmm. So whether we see one or not, I don't know. <laughs> I really want a picture of a bull moose, though. I know. The only moose we saw was outside of Yellowstone. Yeah. <laughs> Another thing we did outside of Yellowstone was we did the Grizzly and Wolf Discovery Center. Which, which is totally worth it. I'm glad we did that. Yeah. So my thought process here was I thought it was similar to... um What's that place called in uh, South Dakota? Bear Country USA or something? Yeah. That's what you thought it was going to be like? Similar to that. And I was not excited about that because I'll be honest. um, I went to Bear Country USA when I was a little kid and it was super cool. But going back there as an adult, I was like, hmm, (laughs) (laughs) this is sad. Yeah. yeah. 25 bears and like a two acre thing. Yeah. I I wasn't. And they're all fat. Because, you know, they've been just snacking on, you know, whatever. But <laughs> Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of it the second time uh, going in there, and we won't be going there again. Um, so I thought this was similar. And one of our friends on Instagram went and shared some pictures. And I was like, what? This is so cool. Like, you're able to take your kids in there? What is this? So I looked into it a little bit, but not much. Tony ended up getting details. So it's the Grizzly and Wolf Discovery Center. It is... It's basically a rescue. They have a limited number of grizzly bears and a limited number of wolves. I think they have eight. I think they have like 11 wolves. I heard somebody say that. They have eight because they have five in one pack and oh, three that's in the right. other. That's yeah. right. <laughs> I was thinking eight and three. <laughs> and then there are some otters. I think there's four otters. Yeah, they have like a bunch of different otters from that. They got that whole otter. Um, habitat from an, a zoo. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, for some reason. I don't know if the zoo shut down or whatever, but. And then they have some birds of prey. Yep. So basically the bears, they were all in one way or another, like a uh, nuisance bear, problem bear. Um, so you might have just or read orphaned. about. 
Yeah, we read, which this is another reason why I wanted to go there, is because I read about an article, I don't know if my mom shared it with me or somebody shared it with me, about a bear that was found in Yellowstone in 2020. And he was a nuisance bear. He kept getting into stuff. So his options were to be put down because he kept coming around people. And um, they took him in and they gave him a job to test bear equipment, which I think is super cool. Like yeah, he, he tests storage the food, food bear, storage. Bear-proof products. So that's really cool. But they have a limited number of bears that they have there. And how it's set up is there's this huge bear. Like, let's just talk about the bear area. There's this huge, I don't know how many acres. How big is that, do you think? I don't know. It's probably an acre enclosure. And it has a pond in it, and it has a waterfall and some other cool things. And they're actually expanding it. It's under construction. There was, when you get down towards the otters, at the end of the bear enclosure, um, there's a sign that says that they're expanding it. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. And then what they do is they keep all the bears in these, like, secure den area. Um, They each have their own den. And then they let out two to three bears every hour. They come out, you know, spend time in the yeah. <laughs> spend time in the area, um, either eat food they, they or call play. It enrichment time. Yeah, enrichment time. And so, and then they go back into their den, and the next two come out or three come out, and then so on. So I thought that was really neat because you know it's not like they were like those. I we watched quite a few. One thing, one thing you notice when you go to like a zoo. Or some kind of rescue center. The bears kind of do, or the animals do, like, the same thing over and yeah, over and over. they have, like, their pacing routine or and something. that makes me so sad because that's, like, a sure sign of... Boredom. Habit, you know, like, yeah, boredom and, like, captivity. And we watched bears quite a few times here. I mean, we watched them for a little bit. Different bears come out, and none of them did the same thing. Yeah, no. Over, they all did something play different. Play with each other, like wrestle. Yeah. They go, and we'll get into this. Part of the Keeper Kids program is they start out doing a little um, like questionnaire, and then they they do, do a question. So the so the building they inside the building has a ton of stuff on bears and grizzly bears. Yeah, the everything from their center. feet to their you know what they look like, what they eat. You know, the difference between their scat, whatever. Um, and so they take that questionnaire and they walk around and answer the questions on their questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they gather information and then they talk to their naturalist who's in charge of the keeper kids that time. They go over the, the naturalist will ask the kids the questions on the thing and they get to answer it. And then once they're done with that, they get a pin you know, yeah. with one with of one their of the animals. animals' names on it in the picture. And then they go do, like, an orientation in a different spot because what they do is they set it up, and I think they can do up to 30 kids. I think ours had maybe, our group was, like, 20 or something. But they line them all up. They go over a bunch of rules, and then they actually take them into the bear enclosure once the bears are out of there. <laughs> and um, they take food in, and all the kids take this bucket of food, and they hide it all over. In this certain, like, area, like, yeah. with the rocks. And There's they a big, cover... Like, yeah, it's like a big, um, almost like a big rock garden. Yeah. And they, you can move the rocks around. You can... Put And you're supposed to, like, kind of bury the food and, you know, cover it back up. There's a bunch of ravens, I guess, that fly around there. And 
the lady said, you know, the job is to make sure the ravens don't get it. So the, yeah. <laughs> the kids worked really hard on covering up yeah. all their food. They put they put rocks over top of it and then put sticks over top of the rocks. So, and then once all, you know, they they hide all the food and they leave the enclosure and then they let the bears in and the bears go. When we watched it, well, the kids got to come out and stand with us and watch yeah, the yeah. bears come out. And they were so cute. The the bears for the girls came running out. The bears were like running out. Yeah, one went and jumped straight into the pond because of the girl, the whole, the class, basically, they had apple slices and all the kids were instructed to throw the apple slices into the pond. And then they would take their buckets and hide the food elsewhere. So one of the bears knew that there was going to be apples. He ran out and jumped into the pond and just started eating all the apples. And the other two were like, came hopping out. Yep. Super cute. Yep. And they went right over to the rock garden and they started digging, rolling and- over the rocks and digging and throwing the logs around. It was crazy. What's cool about this experience, though, is number one, it's cool for the kids. The co- kids get to experience um, how bears find food and what they can eat and all this other stuff. But what else is cool about it is that it's always going to be done different because the yeah. kids are always going to do it different. Where if you send in the staff to do it, they all have their like habits. So you're going to go in and you're going to hide the food in the same spot that you probably always hide it in. Where with the kids, they get to do something completely different. Rocks in a certain way or mm-hmm. sticks or whatever. I mean, one kid made like a nest of sticks. Yeah. <laughs> Um, which was really cute. And then they had one, like had like a huge log sticking straight up out of the rocks yeah. and they knocked that over. And they do it for the purpose of doing that mainly is so that the bears use their instincts, you know, for looking foraging. So that's what most people don't, I guess, don't even think about it. I didn't really think about it. Like grizzly bears and black bears, they don't really hunt no. They don't chase down animals and get them. They're more <laughs> a scavenger at the best. But, um, yeah, they they dig and they forage in the... That's what those claws are for. Yeah. It's digging, moving rocks around. So that keeps them, you know, keeps it more natural for them. But that experience was really cool. And then on the wolf side, um, they also put in some, like, frozen water and they had like fish in it or something yeah there's like fish and meat and stuff like that and it's frozen and they dump them out all over and then the wolves come in and you know try to whatever get it out and tear at it and yeah and they were really cool to see as well we what sounds crazy about that is we left there and so oh back back up a little bit when you go that when you pay, your ticket is in for two full days. Two consecutive full days, yeah. So we went the first day, we did the bear thing, and then we left, and then we came back the next day and actually walked around and saw all the other animals. And then we came out and we're eating lunch in the... We are eating lunch in the RV in the parking lot. Yeah, of the place. And all the wolves started talking, howling and... Yeah, they started howling all in unison. <laughs> Tony was outside with the dogs, so I was like... Are you doing that? Are you making them howl? Yeah, at first I didn't know. I, I, maybe they could see Dexter and Elsa in the parking lot. They wanted to eat them or something. <laughs> but it was crazy. I recorded it with my phone. And it was it was wild to hear them all start howling at the same time. It'd be wild to hear that in the yeah. in the wild. <laughs> I would not want to do I would not want to hear that in the wild. <laughs> not that close. 
No. And then then the otters area, they have um they have times as well. So they let the otters out. Unfortunately for us, we didn't get to see the switchover because they were just Yeah, the two sleeping. otters that were on <laughs> deck at the time were just sleeping in the their little glass enclosure and like it was like a little I don't know, like a little lodge, but it has a window and you could see them in there cuddled together. <laughs> and they did say that even the bears, the bears or the otters, if you know, they're not like strict to the schedules. So if the bears want to play a little bit longer, then, you know, they, they don't make them come in. I don't know how they would make them yeah. come in. So <laughs> one thing that she said is like, unlike like some zoos and stuff, they're very hands off with the animals. So the animals really have zero human interaction in the enclosures and stuff. So it's either the humans are in or the bears are, or wolves or whatever are in. They're never in together. They're, they're, they're not like trained animals, you know, like that. Yeah. Some of the bears we watched were ready to come in. They were like waiting over by the door. And I asked her and she said it's because it's a hot day and they, they were ready to go back into their, their den and get cooled off. I'm yeah. sure they have air conditioning in there. <laughs> I don't know. But they also said that they know which den's theirs for the most part. Like sometimes they'll try to sneak into another bear's den and steal a toy or something. But for the most part, they know right where to go. Yeah, I asked that question. I, I think I asked more questions than the kids did. <laughs> but yeah, if you go to that area, West Yellowstone, I would highly recommend the the Grizzly and Wolf Discovery Center. Especially if you have kids. Yeah. And check out the Keeper program. It wasn't expensive at all. It was $5, I yeah. think, a kid. And they do it twice a day. Yeah, so make sure you go. Like Tony went in the morning and signed up the kids to one of the... Classes, scheduled times. Yeah, I think um, from what I remember... You have to sign up at least 30 minutes prior to the event, the um, the session starting. But from what I heard, just reading stuff during like higher, like higher visitation months, it fills up really fast. So I went there at like, I don't know, I think I was there 930. They opened at nine. I was there by 930. And I think we were the first two signed up for the afternoon class. Even if you don't do the keeper program, you still can walk around the little museum area, look at all the facts, and then watch the bears and stuff. But And you can watch the keeper kids do it. You don't have yeah. to participate. It's totally worth it, though, for kids especially. And if you are a full-time RVer, it's a good homeschool day. Yep. <laughs> Field trip. Field trip, yep. I think that wraps up West Yellowstone area. I mean, we could probably go on and on about it, but... You say this in every podcast. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could, but... Glacier. We can only Is that say, all with Glacier? Yeah, I mean, we could go on and on about it. <laughs> you can only say everything is super cool so many times. Yeah. Yeah, that's our new goal is to say, um, to stop saying cool. So every time we say cool, have a shot. <laughs> but everything is so dang cool. It is. It is. And today's segment is some gear you have to have. Who doesn't love new gear or fun gadgets? Let us share with you what's new to us. And loved. In the RV, our Jeep, and our new tech. So what gear are we talking about today? So the gear review today is going to be our reverse osmosis drinking water system. This we bought 
probably the very first thing we ever got. We bought it in 2017, the first summer that we had our RV out. When we were just camping in the driveway. Yeah. Good times. Yep. <laughs> Little driveway, driveway docking. <laughs> we owned a farmhouse with a well. And the well had, was it very like, what did it, it needed salt. Less it was salt. very high in minerals. Okay, yeah. Very, all of them. <laughs> very high in minerals, all of them. So uh, we we didn't want that running through the RV system. And we actually camped in our RV for the first two summers of having it. And we'll talk more about this in a <laughs> in a journey. But this this is a blog post on our website. You can look it up if you want. We wanted to test out if we could live in the RV. So we did it in our driveway. And we didn't want that water from our well running through our RV system and causing problems. Well, a part of it is in the house, part of our fridge was a filtered water system. And that was really good water because we didn't just drink it right out of the tap because it had that very mineral water taste. Yeah, our refrigerator inside the house had a filter in it. So it was really good water. And then camping and different campgrounds and and a lot of people are leery about just using their freshwater tank for drinking water anyways in rvs like uh, things that i've read and seen and stuff a lot of people put a auxiliary drinking water system or bottles or something or buy bottled water like you can go to walmart and fill the jugs and have your drinking water set up some people run a berkey water system in their rv but that's like a countertop thing where this reverse we bought the it's an APEC water systems. It's like a five-stage reverse osmosis system. And when we installed this, it was amazing. You like, I remember the first glass of water I had. I was like trying to taste something or smell something, and there's just nothing. It's just yeah, it's really good. <laughs> and it comes with like basically, it's a it's a pretty simple system to install. It has five filters, five stages. It has a four-gallon water tank for storage. And it came with a little countertop faucet, so it's separate from your all your other your faucet and stuff in the sink. That was the hardest part. I think we ruined our yeah drilling through <laughs> the countertop and the drill. It drilled through and then bounced off the counter and put a huge crack across the whole thing, which well, it's still there four years later. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's awesome. I'm and we glad ran we did that, that through our ice machine as well in our refrigerator. Yeah. Yeah, basically all you do is just tap into a water supply um, somewhere in the rig, and then that feeds the whole system, the filtration system and the storage tank, and then you have one other line that goes up to your faucet for drinking water. We should then, run another little faucet into our bathrooms. Nah. <laughs> and then you have a drain line, which that's pretty much the most important thing. For several years, we didn't have the drain line hooked into a drain um, because the, the only... I'd say con to a reverse osmosis system is it actually, I mean, as waste. generally it's like two to one wastewater to drinking water. It actually flushes the system. So it uses about twice as much water to clean itself than what you get for drinking water. So uh, if we were boondocking, I would just have the drain line going onto the ground and it would, we would burn through a hundred gal- hundred gallon fresh water tank in about three and a half days. And it would make a mess. Yeah. If we were at a <laughs> campground, it would make a puddle. I'd have to run the line somewhere, try to hide it. Because people dr- are like, you're leaking. Yeah. <laughs> so what I've done so far 
is I've modified it, the drain line, and it actually goes back into the freshwater tank to where it's recycled. Because it's not bad water. Yeah. And plus, whatever it's, we always fill the tank. So it's whatever that wastewater is diluted in the freshwater tank. And then it goes through a filter for the whole house system, basically. And then if it's drinking water, it goes through the, back through that RO system. So it's getting it's filtered at multiple places. So have we changed our filter? Yeah, I changed it. I changed okay. it in April. I wrote it right on the housing. You knew I was going to ask that. <laughs> You're already answering yeah. it. Uh, the filters for the osmosis are six months, right? No, I, I think it's a year or more. But I think I just changed them six months ago. I bought two. So and then I'll change it probably in the next six months sometime. When we and changed we them all... last time, they weren't bad at no. all. So they didn't even need to be changed. Nope. I think we went, we the probably went we two went. years before we even changed them. Uh, but, and still then, they the filters didn't look bad. You know, the the first stage probably would look the worst because that's like the particulate filter or whatever that gets more of the bigger stuff. But nothing major. Yeah, Not, Nothing worse than take, tap water, you know. It does take up a little bit of space. We actually have it in one of our smaller garages. I don't know. How big is that garage? I don't know. It's probably like one and a half wide by one and a half deep. And, and it, it takes, takes the up. whole thing. Yeah. So it will take up a little bit of space. I mean, if you have like a fifth wheel or something like that, you won't have any problem yeah, at all. Um, but in a, you know, class A, it will take up a little bit of space. You don't want to put it under your sink, probably. Um, people do. I mean, people put we it. We did have it under there for a minute, didn't we? No, we had it on the other. We had it in a different garage. Oh. Like a big garage. And I ended up relocating it to the smaller one that pretty much just kind of fit it perfect. Yeah. Because the filter system mounts to the wall and then the tank sits right in front of it. And we put it on the other side of the RV, the one that we like never go to. Yeah. It was, it was a garage that we just before just probably used it for, you know, nothing, whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But the water is amazing. It's well worth it. And it, it was a couple hundred bucks. It was about like 199 on Amazon. I just looked it up. So it's well worth it. We'll make sure we link it. We'll link the filters and everything that you And the filters are pretty inexpensive to buy. And like like I said, last time I bought them, I bought a two-pack. That way I just have a second set of filters on hand. And there are other systems out there. I know there's the LED one, and that takes up, like, very little space. Or UV. Or UV. Like, it has a light. I know Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) Um, I just don't know how those taste. Like, this one has zero taste. Like, it's... Really good water. I'm very picky with water. Yeah. It's better than water bottle. Like when I drink a water bottle, I can taste stuff. And this has like and, nothing. And that, you you know, the taste can differ a little bit from one brand to another too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Between water bottles. <clears throat> yep. And then we put it up to our ice. Before we put it into our ice, I could actually taste it in the ice. <laughs> I was like, this is stupid. So then we hooked it up to the ice. But it was a good improvement for just a couple hundred bucks. And like I said, to, to compare it to like a Berkey, I know they're very high quality and they have good water, but it's a countertop unit. So you're right there. You're taking up, you know, in our rig, very valuable real estate on the countertop. So... And I don't, I've never had that taste, so I don't know um, how many filters are in those. No you clue. Know? No. I just know they're popular. I've seen them. Yeah, all. I I've see seen them all them over. Too. This one just has like, I mean, I I think this is your, unless you get the UV one. And I, again, I don't know how that tastes either. I can't, I just, I feel like those would have more of a taste because it's not going through a filter. It's just getting like. And then you got to consider on that style. You also have to have some sort of power supply to it as well. This is there's no power supply. This is all off of water pressure. Yep. You know it re, it 
it filters and recycles and you know flushes all just off of water pressure so yeah we it can works leave, with our water pump yeah when we're boondocking we just leave the water pump on and it it fill it fills the storage tank and it makes ice so if you're gonna go full-time or even if for your house or whatever it's a good addition if you like drinking water that's a wrap for our first segment of yellowstone uh it was amazing we cannot wait to tell you all about the other sections of yellowstone uh we have Probably this probably is gonna be like at least two podcasts more. Yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about, a lot to see there. So many pictures. I mean, I don't even know how we're gonna yeah. make these pictures public, but. <laughs> and we have um, a lot to talk to you about the cities that we've stayed in. They've been really cool, so mm-hmm. um, we're excited. We're excited to show you those coming up. And next week, you'll probably get to hear the kids again. They were too sick this time they sound they really sound like whiny. different children yeah you'd be like who are these kids on this podcast <laughs> and i think this is probably the first time lexi has ever had like a real like probably like illness like this yeah. like a cold or whatever it is so she sounds so funny and we keep like like today i was like will you just talk normal <laughs> she's like i am mom I'm like, no you're not <laughs> it's, a, it's pretty cute but yeah they're suffering through it they're getting better though So that's a wrap. Please um, leave us a review on your podcasting app. It really helps out with people finding us. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at The Fayolas. The show notes for this episode will be at thefayolas.com slash 13. Lucky number 13. That's going to do it. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye. If you've made it this far, you've got to hear the bloopers. Wolf Grizzly and Wolf Center was super amazing. My voice does not sound different, Mom. It definitely doesn't. Actually, I don't hear it, but you do. You don't think you sound different? Not at all. I hope you enjoyed Mom and Dad's podcast. And we'll be back next week without being sick. When the music is playing, I'm always like, oh, I'm going to say this. And then I start like, (laughs) I don't know what to say. I never know how to start it. <clears throat> Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> the last thing you want to do in there on the way to Yellowstone is Yellowstone. <laughs> the last thing you want to do Yellowstone. Take food. Sorry, I just got sidetracked. Is that broke? We gotta wait for evil Knievel. <laughs> Get it. Oh my god. Hopefully he sees the sign. Oh, missed a gear. <laughs> he looked like he had a suit on. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go ride my dirt bike on lunch. <laughs> I think he's gone. Either off the hill or...